0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, reward prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Yeah. Uh. I tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday politics to the chips. Get up on this wave. Now tell me what's to talk about, cause we the only thing to talk about, how you keep reality in check, just keep it real, rap and don't gossip with the facts, yeah. I am the elite podcaster Ray Jarvis, and this right here is the gray area. Showtime, woo! Like my man Rick Flair says, it's showtime for chapter two of this podcast, I wanted to get into a particular type of sports fan that really gets under my skin. I can't really communicate with that kind of sports fan because I feel like my my intelligence is being insulted. And that kind of sports fan is what I like to call an ESPN sports fan. So now you gotta wonder and ask yourself, what exactly is an ESPN sports fan? Well, the short definition of an ESPN sports fan is that of a person who doesn't do any kind of research on their own. They don't formulate their own opinions. They just watch the network and all the other channels. Then they come to you and they have conversations and they'll just repeat and regurgitate exactly what they just heard on the television or on the radio or however medium that they get their ESPN fixed from. Or they speak in sports cliches and that, yo, I'm gonna tell you right now, anyone who knows me, I, I have an issue with sports cliches. Like, have your own opinion. I can't really get with people who don't have their own opinions. Like, if I want an ESPN opinion, I watch ESPN and hear what the people who get paid to talk say. Like, what, why do I need to hear you say that? So, that, that right there is an ESPN sports fan. They, they, they don't have their own sports knowledge. They just have information gathered from the television or the computer or the radio or their cell phone. The biggest issue I have with those sports fans really and truly is they don't watch the games. You know what I'm saying? That's a problem for me. Come on, son. Watch these games. Before you come to the water cooler or to the locker room, or you a young dude and you in school and you at the lunch table, How can you talk about a game if you didn't actually watch the games? That's puzzling to me. What exactly are you going to talk about? The highlight package that's only, like, condensed of a minute and 30 seconds of a two-hour-plus game? How is it possible for you to be able to formulate a whole conversation based on highlights? Come on, son! Granted, it happens. We see it happen every day. But really, for the people who really put their life into this and they're hardcore sports fans, that's an issue. So... It'll be like three of us. We'll be in the cycle. We'll be talking about yo on this particular play. Yo, the quarterback, he he audible into a quick slant, and that quick slant was a big play because it led to the post route or it led to the to the to the draw play that worked later on because the cornerback had to shade over a certain a certain way to look out for the quick slant so that the running back had the edge to hit. You know, I'm just throwing out sports talk right now. This is not a literal football play, but the fact remains is this is a conversation that's being had. Then this dude comes through who watched the highlights and said, "Well, yeah, well he scored on the on the on the route completely disregarding everything that went into that fade route that's an ESPN sports fan you didn't watch the games you didn't see that they were running a certain type of play which led to the big play all you saw was the big play and says well this team is a big play team how sway it's 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 not possible for me to to really get into that like how can you possibly how can you really have this conversation with us based on highlights or based on on what Chris Mortensen or whoever the reporter was told you to say right now. I can't get with that. Another reason why I need people to watch games is because I'm seeing that these sports networks, they're not reporting the news anymore. You know what I mean? They're not reporting the news anymore. Really? Yeah, really. They're not reporting the news. What they're doing is they're taking a political route to their sports coverage. So now, you know how you go to, like, NBC, and NBC is more Democratic. Then you go to Fox Sports. I mean, excuse me, Fox News, and they're more Republican. That's what these networks are doing. These networks are picking athletes or they're picking certain aspects about the sports that they're covering that they want to cover, and they'll push that particular agenda as opposed to putting you on and letting you know what's right from wrong. You know, some will say it's too simplistic, but I can't, I can't really vibe or jive with it. I can't get jiggy with you telling me what to think as opposed to telling me what happened and then we discuss why it happened the way it happened. If I want political coverage, I'll go to CNN, I'll go to NBC, I'll go to Fox News, I'll go to CBS, MSNBC, uh, C-SPAN, the list goes on. If I'm tuning in for sports, I want sports. Pick a particular angle. Like, we saw just recently, the whole LeBron James angle, is LeBron James the GOAT, is LeBron James not the GOAT? Now you have a a group of sports fans because you as a network have a responsibility to report the quote-unquote news. You have a group of sports fans who actually believe that LeBron James is the GOAT. Why? Because they heard it on TV. And I feel like these networks at some point started to become arrogant with their responsibilities as news givers. They realize that because it's on TV, a lot of the masses by default will believe that it's on TV. So it has to be true. So if, if I, you know, adjust the truth to some degree, it becomes a problem. And for me, it's like, come on, son, if it didn't happen that way, why are you telling me that it's happening that way? I can't get with that. So to the people, you know, that's, that's tuning in right now, you specifically, listener, watch the games. If you watch the games, clearly it doesn't matter what these networks say because you know what you saw. You get what I'm saying? Don't worry about narratives. That's a problem for me. And the narrative now has trumped, as I said in, in chapter one, the narrative has trumped the facts. If we want LeBron James to be the GOAT, because this, this is the hot-button issue, or we want Tom Brady another big-time athlete to be the GOAT. We have to position the conversation that way at all times. So even if these players that we want to be the GOAT with their respective sports, if, if, if we want them to be the GOAT, we have to position the conversation to where it has to be them coming out on top, even when they lose. So if, if LeBron or Brady loses, it's because their teammates weren't up to par. If they win, it's because they're great. Look at the Super Bowl. Tom Brady wasn't very good in the first half. He wasn't very good at all. Next thing you know, they're down 28 to three. He brings his team back. He's the go. We're not gonna. We're not gonna talk about the pick six and the incomplete passes. And he was just completely off his game. We're gonna talk about how great he was in the second half. We gotta talk about the entire body of work. We just can't throw out the fact that he played. Great for two quarters. We have to talk about all four quarters. That's your responsibility as a network and as a sports fan. That is your responsibility as well. You can't just talk about Tom Brady is great. Tom Brady is this. Tom Brady is great in the right circumstance. No, if 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 the team he's going up against doesn't have a A one pass rush and he has receivers who run great routes and they get out of their breaks very quickly, he can succeed. But if that O-line is shaky and he has slow-footed wide receivers, he won't be very good. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers can win with anything. I can't necessarily say that Tom Brady can win with anything. I think Tom Brady is the GOAT in the right circumstance, but he can't win in any circumstance. You know? So you have to avoid the narrative. Narrative should be used for political coverage. Once again, going back to MSNBC or NBC and Fox News, where they have debates, they want the narrative to be about how good their cho- how good their chosen candidate was, as opposed to the person who actually won the debate. That's when I want to hear narrative. I don't want to hear narrative in athletic competition. That is a waste of time for me. I have a problem with that. Get up out of here with that, man. And then you, you you spill over to other athletes. We talked about LeBron. We talked about Brady. Look at a guy like Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham is a fiery guy. He, he works hard. He goes out on the field. He produces. Through his first three years as a pro, he's done things that we have not seen from the wide receiver position since maybe Randy Moss. But because he's been positioned as a diva, a homosexual, a, a locker room cancer, we completely... Go away from the fact that on a football field, this guy gets busy. On a football field, he's not chasing down Peyton... Excuse me, Eli Manning for for receptions and plays coming his way. On a football field, he does what's necessary for his team to win. And in the locker room, you never hear an issue from his teammates about Odell Beckham. But because the media, with that whole Josh Norman situation... The media took that and ran with it. So now Odell is a bad guy. And then in the hood, Odell is gay because he's a little flamboyant. And I can't speak to his personal life because I don't know Odell Beckham. But at the end of the day, the narrative has taken over what actually happens on the field. Odell Beckham is one of, if not the best, receiver in the NFL. Why are we focusing on things that are not necessarily true? He's not a locker room cancer. He he acts out. He has emotional outbursts, but none of his teammates have ever threw him on, threw him under the bus, either publicly or off the record. Everybody on his team loves Odell. So why is he a bad guy in the media? And why about sixty percent of America believes he's a bad guy because these networks have positioned him? And then they'll say, "Well, it's his actions that cause that." He's a, he's a human being. Of course, he's gonna have moments where he falls off. He's human. But you cannot build a whole character or build a whole story or build a whole narrative based on a few instances and then completely ignore the other instances that make him look well in a positive light. That you can't do it. You cannot have it both ways. What sadly, these networks do. And by default, the sports fans believe that. And by default, the sports fans carry that information to the next fan and to the next fan and to the next fan. That, my friend, is no good. It's no good. A guy like Kobe Bryant is another example. That's my favorite athlete of all time. You know, I'll say it, I get a lot of pushback for it. But because of things that happened with Kobe in the past, some of it his fault, some of it not his fault, Kobe is now underappreciated. Kobe is now looked at as a guy who was just a gunner, he was just a scorer. You cannot be just a scorer and win five championships, it's impossible. I want to see a person who did one thing in the NBA and won five, maybe one or two, but you cannot win five and go to seven finals and just be a gunner. But because he's been positioned that way by the powers that be in the media, that's what he'll be remembered as, a Jordan clone who was only a scorer and wasn't the best leader, and so on and so forth, and a snitch. Can't forget that. And a snitch, and so on and so forth. Get up out of here with that, man. (laughs) If you watch these games, you'll see that Kobe Bryant was a lot more than a scorer. Kobe Bryant had one of the highest bias, excuse me, basketball IQs of all time. The guy controlled the game for whatever part of the floor he was on. How can just a scorer be just that? If you're just a scorer, you get buckets and you lose. I could argue that Tracy McGrady, going back to chapter one, was just a scorer. He didn't impact the game that much. Argue if you want to argue, but it is what it is. How can Kobe Bryant be just a scorer and do the things that he did? If if the NBA kept hockey assists, Kobe Bryant would be an all-time leader in hockey assists because a lot of times he would be the passer that led to the pass for the assists, but nobody notices that. They just notice when he pulls up the fadeaway and he shoots 44% from the field because that's what we need you to think. He's not good at anything else but getting his own shot. That's no good. So again... This this is this is the theme of this episode of this chapter. Watch the games. As long as you watch the games, you'll be in good shape. You won't have to worry about people telling you what to think. Because why? You know what you saw, and that is my argument now with a lot of people. But here's the tricky part. This this is where I have to adjust myself in in, in my seat. People start to believe the narrative so much that when you come with facts and you know what you saw, they'll argue what they saw because that's not what the narrative said. Imagine that. That's like a catch-22, right? How can what happened not be true but the narrative be true? Then that's checkmate. (laughs) You can't talk to that person anymore because it doesn't matter what you say. They've already made the decision based on the information put out there that this is what happened, regardless of if you saw what happened. No. This is what happened, not what you saw, what they told you to see. I know it sounds like uh, this is the Matrix and this is the man, and and I'm I'm ranting and raving, but really, you know what you see. You watch first take, you watch Undisputed, you listen to the radio, you know what you hear. So, do your own research, do your own homework, and you'll be fine. But don't, but don't, but don't half-ass it. Make sure you do it thoroughly. Be in the know. And then you can start picking and choosing who you want to talk to and it's time to have these sports conversations. It's scary, man. It's really scary to me because at some point down the road, you got to wonder if facts will even matter on all fronts anymore. You know, we hear this whole thing about alternative facts where an event happened. You know what happened, but they'll talk about one, spe- one specific event within that event and hold on to that as... The, the 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 basis of everything that happened when you know full well that there was certain context that took place. It was certain events that led to the event that led to the event. But no, we're gonna talk about this. We, we have A, B, and C. C is the endpoint. Instead of talking about A and B, a particular group might wanna just focus on B and make B the entire event. Completely disregarding A and C. That's dangerous, but it happens a lot. So be mindful of, of that sports fan who, who, who's pulling up and they want to talk to you. And they want to have a whole conversation and they want to talk narrative as opposed to stats, events and, and, and on-field production. So those guys who's pulling up on them, when, when they try to hit you with that, all you got to do is hit them with this line right here and dip out. Hit them with that and walk away. Don't get pulled into that argument. It took me years to figure that out. Run away. Run far away from them. Because once you get in that conversation, it's like a vortex. You can't get out of it. And then you get so mad because you know what happened, and they're telling you you're wrong, and it'll be like three or four people all telling you you're wrong, but you know what happened. And the rest of the day, you're mad, and then you got to get in your phone and hit up your man to watch the game with you to get confirmation that you weren't bugging last night when you watched the game. But by that point, you're already lost, and to that group of people you had the conversation with, you're a buffoon who doesn't know anything. You see how that works? It's, uh, you know, I'm I'm passionate about this because it's happened to me. I can speak from experience. I've been the buffoon in a conversation that knew what they saw, but then because it didn't fit what they were, were told, you sound stupid. I don't want to be the buffoon anymore, so I stopped having conversations with them. <laughs> it's not good being a buffoon, people. It, it, it's, it's a bad feeling, actually. The next wave of the ESPN sports fan has to come in terms of Statistical evaluations, in other words, using analytics to support their argument. So, in certain sports, it started with baseball. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big baseball fan like that. Like, I'm, I don't know every crux of the game. I'm a huge baseball fan, but I'm not like die-hard baseball. I'm a Met fan, so I guess you can understand why I'm not die-hard. But analytics started with them. They started like, how do I say, studying tendencies of players. And they started, you know, using math equations to predict the outcomes of certain events that happened on the baseball field. Eventually, that transitioned into the NFL. Not as much the NFL, but in the NFL, but it's getting really big in the NBA. And it's tough now because analytics and efficiency has trumped almost everything about the NBA now. So when you talk to a person about ball, and again, I'll use Kobe Bryant because I'm a Kobe guy, and Kobe Bryant is the the quintessential anti-analytics ball player. LeBron James, on the flip side of that, is the perfect example of the analytics era. LeBron James is Mr. High Efficiency. LeBron James does everything at a highly efficient rate. Kobe Bryant, by contrast, not so much But when you look at their resumes, when it comes to playing for championships, Kobe has five, LeBron has three. So now the analytics guy is going to tell you that, nah, that doesn't matter. You know, LeBron James is still better than Kobe because he shoots a higher percentage. He's made more game winners. He's done this. He's done that. He can do more with less, so on and so forth. And that's true, and the analytics will support LeBron James being what he is. Actually, the analytics support LeBron being the GOAT, believe it or not. C- completely usurping Michael Jordan. I'm not a Jordan guy, but I believe Jordan is the GOAT. But then you sit back and you and you go back to the whole thing. This, like I said, the theme of this episode is watch the games. When you watch these games and you see that the events transpire, and you see what Kobe did to win, you see what LeBron did to win, you see what Jordan did to win. How can you argue that LeBron is greater than any one of those guys? I know the stats will say that, you know, LeBron did this better. But I know when it's money time, and I'm isoing, and I have Jordan, Kobe, or LeBron, I know that Jordan and Kobe have a pull-up jumper that's damn near automatic in the clutch. LeBron James doesn't have a pull-up. He doesn't have a power dribble pull-up. He can not dribble left and pull-up. He can not dribble right and pull-up. But we're going to talk about efficiency? You get what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the efficiency. But to me, the events of the game should matter more than statistical analytics or or tendencies and habits and all of that. What I want to know is is that when it's money time, can I give you the ball and can you give me the bucket? In the finals, we saw a situation where Draymond Green was on an island with LeBron James. LeBron James made a move to his left. He got into the paint and he kicked out the Kyle Korver. And you know what? That was the right basketball play. Statistically speaking, the corner three is one of the highest percentage shots in the game. And that's fair. But it doesn't. analytics doesn't measure heart. Analytics doesn't measure machismo. And believe it or not, in athletics, these things actually matter. Yes, machismo matters. It is what it is. All the testosterone that goes into playing these games, machismo matters. And when LeBron James went left, I know 23, Jordan, and 24 Bryant would have pulled. Once they got left and they got that first step, that pull-up was dead to rice over Draymond. And Draymond couldn't stop it. And that's what we as—that's particular group of basketball fans, that's what we want. We want we want to know that LeBron has the cojones in that moment to take that shot. Forget that call was open in the corner because he had the pull-up. If he had that in his package, that pull-up was there. But he doesn't have it in his package analytics doesn't account for skills when I look at Jordan and I look at Kobe I know that they have the dribble right pull up they have the dribble left pull up they you know Kobe more so than Jordan had the three point shot they, they have the footwork in the post fade over the left shoulder fade over the right shoulder spin strong side spin weak side the drop step the step through These are all skill sets to handle, so on and so forth. People try to downplay those aspects of playing ball to boost up the statistical moments and the statistical relevance of LeBron James. Yes, LeBron has the greatest stat line, but part of the reason why LeBron James only has three championships is because he doesn't have those moves in his toolbox. Now, you're going to say, what does moves in a toolbox have to do with championships? If you have a certain skill package, the defenses have to account for you a different way. And that's the thing that analytics never accounts for is what the, how the defense reacts to your skills. You see what I'm saying? How does the defense react to the fact that they have to worry about everything in the kitchen sink? When I watch LeBron play, within two to three seconds of him holding the ball, I know if he's going to pull it three or he's going to drive. I already know. So if, if the fan watching the game knows that, the person who's getting paid millions of dollars already knows what LeBron's going to do as well. He has to know, right? He has to know. And that's what I'm trying to say. You, you Part of the reason why you have threes is because your skill set re- requires that you have X amount of players around you. You're, you're a, a facilitator. To me, as great as Magic Johnson was, and Magic Johnson, who was the greatest facilitator of all time, next to LeBron, if, if, if Magic was a better scorer, you might argue that Magic is the goal. But because of the fact that he didn't have certain moves in his package and he did one thing really great and that was facilitate and get people involved. And that great thing is it's a great thing to do. I'm not trying to downplay that by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're able to do those things and still get buckets and put the kind of fear in opponents hearts that Jordan and Kobe did, you can't put LeBron over him. You just can't. The defenses rotate differently when you have different moves. You know, look at how. Look at how. Put it this way: you, when you when you get a chance, go back and watch the finals. Look how the the Cleveland Cavaliers defense reacted to Kevin Durant, as opposed to the way the Golden State Warriors defense reacted to LeBron. That'll tell you everything you need to know. Because when you when you have more moves in your toolbox, the reaction levels are totally different. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about right there. Analytics cannot account for those things. And it's great, you know, and to to the sports fans, excuse me, the sports geeks, put the calculator down. To me, calculators can't account for that. You you talk to guys about Kobe and the first thing they'll say is, oh, if you look at the numbers, yeah, the numbers, you know, Kobe Bryant, we know what Kobe is. We know. We know. The numbers don't support Kobe being the GOAT at all. But... The physical act of playing basketball supports that. So, put so geeks, put the calculator down, use your eyes, get some Windex, <laughs> get some kind of cleaner for your glasses if you wear glasses, and watch the games. You see how many times I've repeated that? It's on purpose. It is on purpose. Watch the games. Analytics can only tell you so much, and it's a great tool to have in your toolbox, but it should not be the decider of what happens, especially in basketball. Too many things go into play for for analytics to decide what the outcome is going to be. In the end, it might be a good baseline, but even with, a lot of people say, well, analytics said that the Golden State Warriors will win the championship. True. But at the same time, the Golden State Warriors had Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. You don't need a calculator to tell you that these boys are going to win the chip or at least be in the finals. Am I right? Am I right? I'm just saying, man. You know, I I sound like a a person who wants to say get off my lawn, but I feel as though these things need to be talked about. The ESPN sports fan, it has gotten in the way of of sports coverage, of, of sports information, of sports talk. So I have to come through and pull up because I refuse to have these geeks control the conversation. I have to do my part now. The other aspect of ruining sports has to be the Internet. I believe that the Internet has ruined sports. When, when I talk about the Internet, I get so salty. I'm the, I am the person in the peanut gallery who's upset throwing a can. This is me. Because I'm getting tired of the Internet ruining sports. It's like, don't get me wrong. The internet is a great place for promotion. You know, I'm doing this podcast. It's a sports podcast. You're listening to it right now. Chances are you're listening to it by way of the internet. I get that. But when you have to deal with certain foolishness on the internet, it makes it tough to enjoy the game. One of the biggest issues that I have with the internet is the fact that the internet doesn't allow for context. So, what do I mean when I say that? You have a meme out there, right? You do a player comp. It'll show Chris Carter and, like, Steve Smith to go to football. Or, let's go to baseball. Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. You'll see that picture. Uh, We'll we'll call it a meme, for lack of a better word. You'll see the stats of, of both guys. And on the surface, you'll see, yo, Barry Bonds is that dude. Barry Bonds put the numbers up. Yes, he did. But it doesn't account for the last eight years of his career, you know, maybe five to eight, surrounded by steroid allegations, the fact that his body blew up, he had body acne, his head became humongous, and Ken Griffey Jr. never had a steroid allegation. But if you see these numbers... And you have these teenagers coming up now, 13, 14, 15, they'll see that and say Barry Barnes is the GOAT without taking that account, without doing the research and doing the knowledge, as the OGs would say, to realize that Junior Griffey put up massive numbers in the steroid era and never was even thought of using it, let alone be accused of using it. And this is what I'm saying when it says the Internet ruins sports because all it does is put out information with no context. And then, much like the media... Without that context, it controls the conversation because now sports fan A sees this picture or sees this meme and believes that this is what it is based on what they see on the internet. And you know what? It is what it is. They tell you not to believe everything you see on the internet, but we can't control that. We can't control that. It is what it is. So I feel like the internet ruins sports because there's all these memes out here, all this information out here that doesn't tell a story. It just... just, it's a point already made in the picture, and and the picture serves of proving that point without giving you context or no ability to argue it back. This is what it is. And then when you're talking to somebody, you know you're having a full-on debate about Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. And then they'll pull up that picture and they'll tell you, "Well, see, well, this is what the picture said." And you're looking at this dude like, "Come on, son, get get out of here!" Like you, you, I once again, I know what I saw, and I know that Ken Griffey Jr. While he battled a lot of injuries. When he was on the field, he was the best in in the game, hands down. He was a cultural icon. Barry Bonds didn't have a sneaker. I remember the Griffys at one point was one of the most popular sneakers going. It was the Jordans, it was the Pennies, it was the Griffys. So how can you tell me now that steroid Bonds is the GOAT? No shade to Barry Bonds, by the way, but I get emotional sometimes. So, So, you know, be mindful of that. Then you have the trolls. The trolls out there You'll be having a whole conversation about whatever it is, the weather. <laughs> the weather at the stadium today, is going to be a rain out. And then some clown on the internet would just say something to you. Yeah, it's a good thing it's rain because now you're going to have to see your favorite player, you know, crap the bed and be trash. And it's like, yo, yo wait, who are you, Egg? Because this is Twitter. Who, who are you, Egg? Like, why are you here? You try not to talk to them and then they keep atting you and they keep atting you and they keep atting you. And you know, the logical person... The logical person in the in the conversation might want to walk away, but the troll is so skilled at it that they elicit that emotional response before you think about being rational. And the next thing you know, you're having a whole exchange with this person, and then they come through with more pictures and stats, completely disregarding the events that happened on the field, and they're arguing the fact that they're right and you're wrong, regardless of what you say, even though you have evidence to support you being right, and you and then you're left upset on the internet by an egg. Boy, stop. You upset now. So it's like the Internet is out here. You just have a bunch of people looking for sports debates, a bunch of people with, with, with convoluted discussions, a bunch of people who already have their own belief system, and they want to argue with you, but they don't want to admit that they're wrong. They just want to argue for the sake of arguing, and they're all over the Internet ruining sports. And then also on the Internet, you can look up all the stats all the analytics, all the narratives, and then go copy and paste it in the middle of a Facebook debate or a Twitter debate or a Reddit debate, wherever you at, and you're sitting there left, like, perplexed, like, you really just did that? So, what? You know, you're confused. It's a problem. We need to fix it. We need to eviscerate the ESPN sports fan. Do your own research. You don't have to do a podcast to do this. If you watch the games, much like I was a kid and I made these games a study. I love sports. Anyone can do it. Stop being so trusting of people in suits. Stop being so trusting of talking heads to lead you in the right direction. These talking heads have advertisers. They have people in their pocket. They have athletes in their pockets. They, they, you know, you can't always a hundred percent trust that what they're saying is is actually true. And, you know, and I, like I said. I get upset because they are mishandling their responsibility. They are using their platform to misinform the public. And that, my friends, is a problem that I'll never be okay with. It's not cool to me. It's not. We have to make sure as sports fans that we control the conversation. Much like hip-hop. You know, everybody's upset about mumble rap. But if mumble rap is, is prevalent and the public is okay with it and they're not trying to control it in any form of fashion, it is what it is. If you're frustrated like me and you want to make sure that the sports conversation isn't controlled, we have to do what we have to do. Like myself doing a podcast, we have to do what we have to do. Hit up those personalities on Twitter, flood their inboxes on Facebook, and make sure that they're putting the right information out there. If you want to hear real hip hop, call up the DJ, go on Instagram, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on Snap, and you bother them until they play bars. It's that simple. It's up to us to control the conversation. Without it, all it is are just complaints, farts in the wind that nobody hears. You know what I mean? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Gray Area, Chapter 2. Chapter 3 is coming soon. Hope you appreciated it. I know I enjoy giving it to you. Pause. (laughs) Until next time, I'm gone. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best today. Woo.